Good morning, Anastasia Church. Why don't you stand and we're, this morning we're going to worship the God who fights all of our battles for us.
see the scars of love upon his hands. The king is in the room. We'll watch the darkness flee in his command. Who is this king? Who is this king? His name is Jesus, His name is Jesus, light of the world, there's freedom in His name, awesome in power, reigning forever, light of the world, there's freedom in His name. in the room So let miracles break out across this place The Savior's in the room No soul beyond the boundaries of His grace There's resurrection
church, I invite you to have a seat just for a moment. One of the things that we do from time to time is remember our Lord and His sacrifice through the Lord's Supper. And this morning, if you are a Christian and you have professed faith in Jesus, and He is your Lord and your Savior, we invite you to participate in this with us. Uh, I want to thank the deacons of our church who've been so uh, helpful in, in helping us to prepare for this. And if for some reason you came in this morning and you did not receive one of these uh, cups with uh, juice and bread and you would like one, if you could just lift your hand up, uh, we'll make sure that you get one of those. So just lift your hand up and uh, we'll get one of those uh, cups to you. But it looks like most everybody uh, has one. So um, let's just take a few moments and uh, just calm ourselves center ourselves remember you know i don't know about you maybe you've had a crazy week a lot going on um, but let's this is just a really a time for us to consider the great sacrifice of jesus and the bible tells us that we really should take seriously uh, to examine ourselves so i just want to invite us just for a few moments just some quiet some solitude so meditate on the cross before we partake in this together. Let's just be still for a moment. take a, if you can, the peel back that second layer and prepare for the cup. This is the, the juice that represents the blood of Jesus, that atoning blood. Paul continues and he says, in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take a drink together. Let's pray one last time. God, we thank you for your blood. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus washes away our sin. God, we have pondered and reflected today upon your sacrifice, and we want to say thank you. We want to say we remember, and we worship you today. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let's stand together as we continue to worship the Lord in this place.
something about that name, amen. Can we give a shout to Jesus in the house this morning? Can we say Jesus? Beautiful what he did for us. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, church, say hi to somebody around you today. Well, good morning, church family. We are so excited that you are worshiping with us today. What a beautiful day to be in the Lord's house this morning, um, praising his name. We are so, so thankful that you are here. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you're visiting with us today. I wanna encourage you to stop by our welcome desk out in the atrium. We have a gift just for you. And if that's a little intimidating for you, we have a text number that you can text instead. And that's 904-441-6900. And you can text the word CONNECT to that number. That will pull up our digital connect card. You don't even have to talk to anyone, but we will make sure to check in with you, say hi, welcome you to our um, church family. And if you have a prayer request, that's also a great way to send those to our staff and to our pastors. We love praying for you. So you can text that number, text the word connect and send us your prayer requests. Um, also, if you wanna know what is going on in our church, you can text 904-441-6900, text the word news. That will pull up our digital bulletin. And we have a lot of announcements today. So if you don't write down everything I'm about to say, memorize it, study it, you can always text in news to that number and pull it up. First thing we have, Missions Weekend is coming up August 27th. We are doing something that we have never done before. We're doing a missions tour. You may not know that Anastasia Church partners with a lot of our community leaders and helps out where we can. And so you're gonna have the opportunity to see exactly what they're doing, what the need is, and um, get, invo get involved, get plugged in. We're going to the Homeless Coalition, St. Francis House, all kinds of things. And if you'd like more information, you can text 904-441-6900 and text the word missions. You do not want to miss out and see how Anastasia is helping people in our community, not only with physical needs, but also spiritual needs. And as y'all know, do you have any students in the house? Any kids going back to school tomorrow? Very, very sad kids going back to school tomorrow. Well, this Wednesday, you have something to look forward to. Our preschool through fifth grade, we are doing popsicles in the park. We'll be at Vail Point Park, bring a picnic. It'll be a great time to kind of get through the midweek of back to school on Wednesday. Next Sunday is Promotion Sunday. So if you have a first grader, they will be moving up. And if you have a sixth grader, they'll be moving up. So don't miss next week they will have big parties in all those areas and just a fun time and also today is prayer in the school we are invited each year and we are so happy and excited that we have a county that allows us to come into the school each year and pray over each school so if you would like to pray over any of our elementary schools we'll be there at 2 p.m i know that pastor walter will be at rb hunt pastor dan will be at Crookshank and Pastor Mason will be um, at another one. I lost his name right now. Southwoods, thank you, Pastor Walter. <laughs> then at 3 p.m., our middle schools will be praying for them. 
So if you have a middle schooler especially, I encourage you, pray over that school, pray for them. Those middle, middle schoolers, they need it the most, I think. I have a middle schooler and they need all of our prayers, Lord. <laughs> and at 4 p.m. will be our high schools. Pastor Jeremy will be at St. Augustine High School, so you can join him there. Or at Pedro, they're also praying. Then at 5 p.m. at Flagler College, I'll be there at the gazebo if you wanna come and pray for our college students. And what an opportunity that we get to be in the schools praying for our students. And I think it would be a missed opportunity if when the school invites us in, no one showed up. So I wanna encourage each of y'all, show up at your local schools, pray for the students, pray for the teachers, pray for all of these people who are going to be changing lives, whether or not they know it. With that, Rachel's gonna be praying for us. Good morning, church. As Julia said, my name is Rachel, and I'm the Discipleship and Social Media Ministry Coordinator here at Anastasia Church. We are so excited to have you with us today. Um, before I pray for our educators, I just want to say that we are so thankful for you as a church for giving your time, energy, and resources to us here at Anastasia. There are three ways to give with us this morning. If you are in person, you can give at one of the drop boxes located around our campus. You can give online, or you can give by texting the word give to the number on the screen. Um, as Julia said, we are going around our community to, to pray for our students and our teachers. And if you are an educator for homeschool, public school, if you're a bus driver, if you work in the cafeteria, if you're a guidance counselor, I would love for you to stand and pray for you. And I would love for us to pray for Miss Bethany as well. So if you could stand with me and I'm just going to pray. And I pray that you... Um, Let's all reach out our hands to our nearest educators. Y'all, let's give them some praise. Thank you for what you do. Um, if you could just extend your hand to the nearest educator, and I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these people in their heart, Lord. I pray for a heart of thankfulness for this time of rest and relaxation for our students and teachers and educators alike. I pray that you give them grace to guide um, their students with a joyful heart and spirit, Lord. And I pray that every anxious thought and fear and nervousness, Lord, I pray that you would replace that with joy, peace, and comfort in your name. And I pray that um, with a thankful heart for these people as they guide our next generation, that they do it with nothing but grace and love and just shining your joy day in and day out, Lord. Thank you so much. It's in your mighty and precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, good morning, church. Good to see all of you. Boy, you got a treat today. Uh, next week, we're going to be starting our fall sermon series, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're calling it 517. From John 517, God is always at work, and he's working to this day. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the major, the story of redemption from creation all the way to the second coming of Jesus Christ and talk about how God is, has done his work, but he is still working today. Hope you'll come and join us starting next week. It's called 517, and I hope you'll be here. Invite a friend. It's a great season to invite someone to church. But today, uh, we have a very special treat today. Uh, we have a young man in our congregation. He, you might have seen him at college weekend. Uh, he was here. He spoke during college weekend. He is training to be a pastor. He is a student at uh, Trinity Baptist Bible College 
And uh, he is an amazing young man. And as a matter of fact, his grandmother comes to this church. I don't know if she's here in the room right now. But uh, anyway, I'd like you to give a warm, a warm Anastasia welcome to Nate Vance. He's going to come share the word today. God bless you, Nate. You know all the fun stuff, um, and I've been I've been on staff for the past summer. Shout out to Matt Gadelman, an amazing boss who allowed me to miss work to speak to you this morning. So uh, here I am. I am also, as he said, currently enrolled at Trinity Baptist College. Um, I'm only a couple of semesters in, so uh, I don't have a ton on my belt. But he was gracious enough to give me this opportunity to speak with you all today. Um, a couple months ago. Again, as Pastor Walter said, we had the Well Weekend where the college group took over. Um, we kind of, we did the music and uh, Julia had a panel with me, Noah, and Rachel. And during that panel, I talked about my walk, my faith. Uh, I talked about discipleship. And afterwards, Pastor Walter came up to me uh, after the service and he said, hey, would you like to preach this summer? Um, to be completely honest with you all, my gut reaction was to say, absolutely not. Uh, that is not what I want to do. Uh, are you crazy? I don't want to stand in front of all these people and speak. Uh, but something that my college professor told me um, at Trinity, he said, the only way to get better at preaching is by preaching. And so whenever you get the opportunity to do that, you should say yes. So this morning, I said yes, and I am here. And again, so thankful for the opportunity to be here with you all this morning. Now, if you would, open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 1. And if you would, uh, stand in honor of God's word this morning. It's just a, a thing that this church does that I love is that we stand and read God's word. It's so beautiful to me, and it's so respectful and honoring. So, again, we're in Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the ESV. Long ago, at many times and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn to the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Let's pray. Father God, I come to this morning, Lord, uh, thankful for such a beautiful morning. God, the opportunity to come and speak. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that it would not be my words, but yours, God. God, that I will communicate your word effectively to the congregation this morning. God, that you would open their hearts to hear what it is that you have to say. And I pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. As you can tell, the title of my message this morning is the superiority, oh, the superiority of Jesus Christ. I thought I was up there already. It's fine. 
Um, a concept I believe to be widely accepted by Christians, like I don't have to debate y'all about this, I don't think, like I, I hope not anyway, that this is, this is a true statement, that Jesus is superior. But it's a problem I believe the church as a whole today is missing, or not necessarily missing, but we're looking to other things other than Jesus. I believe that this morning I wanna to talk to you about how we need to look to Jesus, not to religion, not to, the, not to a building, not to rules, not to laws, but we need to look to Jesus. That is what I'm gonna be walking us through this morning. So I wanna start off with a question. Do you guys ever wish things were the way they used to be? I know this is a broad question, and, uh, but I feel like it's going to help us understand the text a little better. So have you, have you missed the way things used to be? Well, I can tell you that I definitely have. So I'm gonna take you back to a much younger Nate. Um, not much younger, but younger. Uh, it was the summer of 2018. I was 17 years old. Uh, at this point, I had graduated from high school. I was ex accepted into UCF. I had uh, a girlfriend. I had a great bunch of friends. Uh, and, and the summer, it's the summer before college, so I'm really just like living life. Like I'm just, we're going to the beach, we're hanging out, like all my friends. It, it was just a summer that felt like it was gonna last forever. Like it was just so much fun. But eventually it has to end. Eventually the summer came to an end and eventually August rolled around and we all had to go our separate ways, all my friends. We had to go to different colleges. We had to, you know, get ready, get ready for classes, move into our dorms. All these things were happening all so fast, all at once. And before I knew it, I was at school and my friends were gone. And I began to reminisce on the past summer and the past four years of high school. And I remember I just, I just couldn't get past the past. I just couldn't let go of it. I, I, I became so resentful and angry that all these things had left me, that all these memories and, and fun times were gone and that they felt like distant memories to me. I began to miss the way things used to be. Instead of focusing on this new exciting chapter in my life, I'm going to college. I, I have all these things ahead of me. I have my life ahead of me. I planted my feet in the ground and refused to move. For two years of my life, I was 17-year-old Nate. I wouldn't move. I didn't grow. I didn't go anywhere. Instead of taking one step forward, I took three steps back. Now, this is a similar predicament to what the early believers are dealing with and what the author of Hebrews this morning is going to convey. So to give you some more context, the entire book of Hebrews really is an, a really well-written argumentative essay on why Jesus is better than Judaism. Because at the time, the early believers were facing an enormous amount of persecution. I mean, the, uh, Jesus has been gone for 30 years at this point. People hate Christians and they're killing them and attacking them. And the people are just, they, they feel lost. They feel like, they feel like Jesus isn't all that they thought he was. And they start to lose faith in who Jesus is. So this is where we pick up the text that I read earlier. So again, verse one, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Just in that first and second verse, we see the distinction between the before and the after. We see how it was before Jesus and how it is after Jesus. Long ago, at many times, God only could speak to us through the prophets. But since Jesus came, now Jesus, through him, we hear God and we see God. And we know today that the Holy Spirit is within us and that's how we see God. So the author is painting a beautiful picture of who Jesus is here. 
He continues then in the rest of verse two through verse three, he says, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He's a radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The author here is making a bold claim that Jesus Christ and God are one. I say bold because, again, we have to look at this through the lens of the early believer, specifically the early Jewish believer. For the Jewish believer, they have a prayer known as the Shema, and it is Deuteronomy 6.4, and it reads like this. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is our God, Yahweh is one. So from the beginning of the Israel nation, they'd always known God to be one, because that is what they have been taught. That is what they've been told, that God is one being, that's one. There's no, they don't understand the concept of the Trinity at this point. So for the author to say this, for the author to, to boldly claim that Jesus Christ and God are one is a big deal and a very important thing to the rest of Hebrews. This very verse, every Jew would have known. So for him to say this would have been blasphemy. Like Jesus, that's why they wanted to kill him. That's why they crucified him because they were like, you are blasphemous. You are saying that you're the same as God. No one's the same as God. God is God. So this concept, although easy for us to see and understand, would not have been for the early believer. Now at this point, you're probably wondering when I would ever get to my first point. (laughs) Well, here we are. Uh, Verse four. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So here we see my first point. The text literally states that Jesus is superior to the angels. But why? Why is he superior to the angels? It's because he has inherited a name that's more excellent than theirs. The author then moves into a series of quotations from the Old Testament. Specifically, he uses two from the Psalms that we would call the Royal Psalms. The reason they're called the royal psalms is because they point to the coming of Jesus, to the returning king. So they're the royal psalms of Jesus and his, and his kingship. He also quotes from 2 Samuel 7.14. So, and I, I love that God does this. Like, I love when God uses his word to back up his word because he's like, my, the highest authority in the whole world is my word anyway. So I'm gonna use my word to back up the word that I'm giving you now. I just love that God does that and I just think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we see this reflected in verses five and six. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn to the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So verse five starts off with a rhetorical question, for to which of the angels did God ever say? A rhetorical question because God never said that to any other angels. He only said it to Jesus, that you are my son today, I have begotten you. Now I wanna explain what it means by I have begotten you because that can be confusing and make you think that God created Jesus, which is not the case. God did not create Jesus. Jesus has always been with God. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit have been since the beginning of time and will be always and forever. But what it's talking about begotten is that he's begotten the relationship of God the Father and Jesus the Son. That relationship of father and son is begotten. That is what the text is speaking of. To further this point, the author then quotes from 2 Samuel 7, 14, saying, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. 
So in this text, if we look back at 2 Samuel, this is actually David talking about his son Solomon. He's saying, I will be to Solomon a father, and, he, and Solomon shall be to me a son. But this promise wasn't fulfilled because Solomon failed to follow the law of the land. He failed to follow God, and so he was not established forever. Jesus, later on, a descendant of David would come, would follow the law, would fulfill the old covenant, and he would be established forever. So this text is also speaking of Jesus. We then move into verse 6, and we see a quotation of Psalm 97, which says, Let all God's angels worship him. How could the angels be superior to Jesus if they worship Jesus? Jesus Christ is superior because he is worshiped the same, by the angels the same way God is worshiped by the angels. So to recap, Jesus is superior to angels. Why? Because he has inherited a name greater than theirs. Now, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter three. We're gonna be moving around a lot in Hebrews, just so you know. There's gonna be a lot of text, so just bear with me. So again, we'll be in Hebrews chapter three, and we're going through verses one through six. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted more worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as a builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So in verse two, we see the author comparing Moses and Jesus as both being faithful in God's house. But then we see the author claim in verse three that Jesus, although they both served in God's house faithfully, Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, before I, which reveals my second point this morning, Jesus is superior to Moses. Before I go any further in explaining this point, I wanna to explain to you why this comparison matters and why it's important. Because to, the, to us, the modern believer today, to the church, we'd be like, of course Jesus is greater than Moses. Like, that's not even a question. Like, that's like textbook. But again, we have to look at this through the lens of the early believer and the, specifically the Jewish believer at the time. Moses was a revered and respected and received a ton of glory from the Jews because he is, was known as their greatest leader. Moses was held at such a high standard. You had God to the Jews and you had Moses. I mean, it was close. They loved Moses and all that he did for the land. He was a great example of a godly man on earth. That is why this is such an important comparison that the author is making because he's saying that Jesus is greater than Moses and it's to encourage the believers that they're following superior leader. You used to follow Moses, but I'm telling you that Jesus is better than Moses, so you need to follow Jesus. Okay, back to the point. Jesus is superior to Moses. Why? Because as the author puts it, Jesus is worthy as much glory as the builder of our house has more honor than the house itself. In other words, we don't give glory to things that are created. We give glory to the creators of those things. We don't give glory to the house. We give glory to the builder of the house. We don't give glory to the painting. We give glory to the painter. 
And that is the exact thing that we're seeing here. And the same thing can be said about Moses. How could he receive more glory than Jesus if Jesus created him? Doesn't make any sense. And we can see this through the text once again, saying and explaining that Jesus and God are one because they are both the builders of the house. Now we move into verse five. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is over God's house as a son. So here we see another distinction of, yes, Moses was faithful in God's house. That is an important fact that we need to know and understand that Moses is worthy of, of praise. He's worthy of that title because he was faithful in God's house. But Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was faithful as a son. Are there any uh, superhero fans in the house? Any Marvel, DC, anybody, anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay. I like Marvel better, but if we're going like the best superhero all time, Batman has to be in there. I mean, Batman has to be in there. Can we agree Batman has to be in there? Anybody? Thank you. Jeez. All right. Batman's in there. He doesn't have any superpowers and he still beats up on everybody. Okay. So the best way I can explain the servant son thing is that there's Alfred, the butler, in, in Batman, and there's Bruce Wayne. As much as Alfred does for the house and as respected as Alfred is, he can never get more glory than Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne's the son. He is inheriting all that there is. Sorry, that's the best example I could come up with. I think, I think it helps, uh, but if not, I'm sorry. <laughs> Again, it's important to see that we are to have respect for Moses and that he was faithful in God's house, but his faithfulness can be nothing and is nothing compared to the faithfulness of Jesus. And another distinction is that if Jesus is the builder of all things, then Jesus is the builder of the house that Moses served in. So to recap, Jesus is superior to Moses. Why? Because Jesus is faithful as a son while Moses is only faithful as a servant. Now, if you would, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to be reading verses 6 through 13. I told you it was a lot of passages this morning, guys. Again, verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the hand to bring them out of Egypt, took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds, I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one of his neighbor and each one of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So verse six here, we see immediately reveals my third point this morning. And my last point is that Jesus is superior to the old covenant. 
The author says this because it's enacted on better promises. And I'll get more into the promises later, but I wanna explain to you what the old covenant is. The old covenant is the covenant God created with the Israel people and with Moses on Mount Sinai when he created the 10 commandments. That is the old covenant. And the old covenant wasn't wrong. It was just simply coming to an end. The purposes of the old covenant were coming to an end. And the purposes of the, of the covenant was to set up a moral law for the people, to convict them of their sin, to establish a priesthood with sacrifices. And finally, it was to promise salvation of Jesus Christ. Then when we move to verse seven, we see the, uh, the author address the old covenant, explaining that if it had been faultless, we wouldn't need a new one. But since it has faults, we need a new one. Because if there's faults in it, we have to create a new covenant. And God already had that all planned and ordained. He already, already knew the second covenant was coming. It's not like he didn't know the first covenant was gonna end. He had the first covenant and he knew the second was coming. We then move into verse eight, which is, which I just thought was a cool little nugget. This is the longest quotation of Old Testament passage in all the New Testament. It's Jeremiah 31. And the prophecy that is being spoken here is Jeremiah is talking to the rebellious people of Israel who at this point had turned from God. They had turned from following God or they did the right things, but their heart was in the wrong place. And God here is saying, this covenant that I made with you, this covenant, it's not working. Not because of me, not because of my faithfulness, because of y'all's faithfulness because y'all and y'all's sin has ruined the covenant. And so once again, the reason, for, the reason for this new covenant is not God, it's not Jesus, it's because we failed and it failed due to humanity's sin. The prophecy then continues in verse 10 saying, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I love this. I love this scripture so much. It's so beautiful because, again, if you look at from the beginning of time to this point, when the, he, when the author of Hebrews is writing this, all they had ever known was separation from God. All they had ever known was that God is here and man is here, and there's no bridge. There's no, the gap was too large. They had what was called the temple, and in the temple, Within the temple was the Holy of Holies, which was, there was a barrier known as the veil. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. I totally just blanked, I'm so sorry. And, but this is, but what God is talking about here in this passage is something entirely different. God is talking about what is to come, what we have today, the Holy Spirit within us, that we would have the Bible within our hearts. We would have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, to show us, and to guide us in following Jesus. So for the first time since the Garden of Eden, man can communicate with God directly. Such a beautiful passage. We then continue into verse 12, the end of verse 12, which reads, and I'll remember their sins no more. This truth is only possible through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Instead of thousands of sacrifices every year in the old covenant, thou, like, thou, like they, every time they sinned, they had to sacrifice an animal, a pure animal. Christ came and sacrificed once for all, tearing the veil between man and God and triumphantly ushering in the new covenant. And we see this portrayed in verse 13. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete 
and growing old is ready to vanish away. So to recap, Jesus appeared to angels. Why? Because he has a name more excellent than theirs and because they worship him. Jesus appeared to Moses. Why? Because Jesus is the builder of the house and of all things. And Jesus is faithful in the house as a son, not as a servant. And Jesus appeared to the old covenant because of the enacted on better promises. The promise that God will write his law on our hearts and in our minds. The promise that he shall know us and that we shall know him. The promise that Jesus Christ will remember our sins no more. So this morning, I've talked a lot about Jesus and how he's superior to angels and Moses and the old covenant. I know that seems like a lot, and it is a lot. We went through a lot of passages, a lot of history, a lot of, a lot of context. So why does Jesus' superiority over these things matter to us, to the, to the modern-day believer? The truth is we are not so different from the early believer, from the early Jewish believer that the author of Hebrews is writing to it wasn't that they didn't know the truths that I'm speaking of now, it's that they had lost sight of the truths that they were speaking of. They had lost sight because of the persecution, because of the pain, because of the suffering. It was surrounding them and they just couldn't see past it. They began to leave the faith because they had lost sight of Jesus' superiority in their lives. How often do we do the same thing? How often do we lose sight of who Jesus truly is? I mean, think about it. It's only been 30 years since Jesus and they forgot who he was. How much easier would it be for us to forget who Jesus is 2,000 years later? In the midst of this broken world, in the midst of this sinful, broken world, it can seem like Jesus isn't superior at all. But the truth is that he is. And that is why this book is so important, why the book of Hebrews is so important, because we need to be reminded daily of who Jesus is in our lives and why he is superior to it all. By understanding who Jesus is, we won't fall away. By understanding who Jesus is, we will stay grounded in the faith and stay firm on the truth of Jesus' superiority. I'll end with this. I think Paul says it best to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter three, verses seven through 11. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, speaking of the old covenant, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, talking about the new covenant, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So this morning, I don't know where you're at. Uh, I don't know what God's calling you. I don't know your journey, your walk. I don't know what the next step looks like for you. If that's accepting Jesus as your savior, if that's becoming a member of the church, if that's being baptized, I, I don't know what that is. But if God is calling you, I pray that you would come. The band's gonna play, the invitation's gonna start. I'm gonna stand on here with Pastor Sam. If you wanna pray with me, come pray with me. Uh, we'll have decision councils on the lighthouse. I just, if you feel God calling, come. Let's pray. Father God, I come to you this morning, Lord, thankful for the opportunity to speak, thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who is superior to it all. God, I just thank you for your son and for all that he's done for his perfect sacrifice on the cross. God, that we can know you in our hearts and in our minds, that you live within us. 
I pray that we wouldn't just hear these things this morning or that we wouldn't just say these things, God, but that we would mean it and place you where you belong as superior in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. Thank you. Just what you say, though the storms may blow and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. And great is your faithfulness to your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same I praise your name oh great is your faithfulness to